smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. Tuesday, May 12th. John Aravosis here with Cliff Schechter. Cliff, you are still home, homebound. I'm homebound, as it were. Yes, I am but here. Not bound many at kids. home because that would Some be Some kids, many cats. Uh, well, no, we do go. We do get out every once in a while. But yes, like I made a else. BDSM joke. Sorry, you didn't get it. I said, but not bound at home. Oh, sorry. I'm, I don't live in that world you live in. Of all that kinky <laughs> shit, right? that big city, Washington D.C. world. Exactly. I'm just a. I'm just a, a, a middle class Midwestern boy. I don't know all that crazy sort of you know exactly. sex stuff you guys do in the big town. Exactly. The craziest thing we ever did was tip cows, which we actually did go to do once in college. And I'm glad to say that we we sort of caved at the end because I would have felt bad now about cow tipping. But in any case, I digress. Um, So today's show, we're going to have Greg Pinello on. Cliff will introduce Greg in a second. Um, Variety of topics, Trump's tax returns uh, going before the Supreme Court. A uh, new Vanity Fair article about Trump world freaking out about the polling, uh, Trump's racist press conference yesterday. And if we've got time, Cliff and Greg, I want to throw in an extra topic. Should Biden investigate Trump if he wins? Ooh. So that I think and, and that's a rather big jitsu like John. Well, it's a rather big topic, but I think it's quite nuanced because I'm almost divided on it. But we, we won't well, no, go there. Yet. We have to because of you know, third world. It, yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Like um, what you're to do. Oh, I was just to say, because we're part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, we've got a few ads to this show. Uh, Cliff wanted to start talking about Bill Press's new podcast really Bill quick. Press. All right, man. Yeah, Bill Press, folks. You know Bill, longtime guy on CNN, Crossfire, radio show host in the morning. Well, Oh, he was uh, Crossfire. I forgot about that. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah. You should take on some guy. You may have heard of him named Tucker Carlson. Oh, God. He was on the Tucker version? Poor man. Yeah, I know. No, oh, we don't need to get right. into that during, during talking All about right. this. But in any case... I'm assuming you're you're here, so you like listening to podcasts. Um, well, there are over a million podcasts out there. Something I didn't actually even know. So you got a lot to choose from. You probably want to choose the best. If you're listening here, you want to choose good progressive podcasting, kind of like unprecedented. If you're guess. listening here, you already have. Um, well, to ours. So look, guys, you guys know you've you've followed Bill for a long time. If you're into progressive politics, there's no better podcast out there than Bill's Press Pod. I believe it's the the Bill Press Pod. That's a sexy name for a sexy liberal podcast. <laughs> My old friend, Bill Press, you know, Bill's still doing what he's always done. He's out there fighting for the good guys, fighting for good progressive causes, telling the truth about the worst president in our history. And uh, he'll be briefing you uh, twice a week in this podcast, letting you know in the most recent news. Every Tuesday, Bill interviews leading progressives this week or sometime more recently. He interviewed Congressman Tim Ryan. Um, he's plugged hazard pay for nurses, which by the way, are heroes folks out there fighting for all of us, doctors, paramedics, everyone who's on the front lines, putting their life on the line right now. Grocery Um, store clerks, quite seriously. Yes, seriously. They're essential workers and should be treated as such. Also every Friday, Bill has, uh, three of the top Washington reporters. They look back at the big stories of the week, uh, and expose the latest lies of Donald Trump, which I imagine is challenging. There's many. <laughs> or exhausting. Uh, think, yes, exhausting. Yes, that's probably a better way of putting it. I believe there's over 17,000 of those lies to go through now at last count. As a progressive, Bill Prescott is all you need to stay informed, uh, outraged. And engaged. I mean, of course, unprecedented too. But yes, the Bill Press Pod. So join me in subscribing to Bill's podcast. Go to wherever you get your podcasts. You know, those Apple places and Spotify and all that fun stuff. Search for the Bill Press Pod. Click on subscribe and tell your friends to do the same. 
There you go, folks. Don't press. So Cliff, why don't you introduce Greg so people know who he is? And can I can I make a suggestion? Can we start with the discussion on whether whether uh, Trump and company should be investigated if a Democrat wins? I just think it's a really interesting discussion. I think it's one worthy of having. So, or do you want to put it? What do you want no, to start? No, let's with? do it. And then okay, we can then, sort of go from there. So, Greg Pinello okay. joining us here, or who uh, I call Greg Pinellos because I make him Greek. Pinellos. Right. Apple. It's is all like good. Oranges. It's all good. It's good to, <laughs> so be, you're... good to be with you guys. For sure. Well, well I mean, so Greg knows a bit about this whole thing. Greg uh, rose up the ranks through, I don't know, 30 years, was it, Greg? Um, to become a, a partner at GMMB, which is one of the biggest Democratic side of the aisle political consulting advertising firms in Washington, and I'm going to guess the world. Greg became the creative director there, ran a department of 60 people, yada, yada, yada. He's, he's like good at this stuff. Made ads for a guy you may have heard of named Barack Obama. Uh, that guy, you know, Obamagate, that guy. Um, and, uh, and, and even put together the video for his so 2012. Greg be, so Greg will be indicted soon. Yeah, so Greg's probably <laughs> under investigation right now. For Obamagate, uh, yeah. In 2012, <laughs> I, I there. Among good. many things, I look great in orange, so it's all good. It's good That's to be true. with you, you guys. That's true. You are sort of lighter colored skin. It made probably yeah, yeah. worse. Yeah. So, um, I, I so Greg, say usually, well, let me just finish this, and then we can all yeah, just. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we yeah. should probably finish <laughs> introducing you because folks should know also that uh, while I say all these wonderful things, Greg <laughs> and I are co-founders and co-partners in a firm called Blue Web Strategies, where we do political TV ads and PR and other stuff like that. Welcome, Greg. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. And it's good to be with you guys. I will say that I don't usually do hmm. my BDSM podcast until the afternoon or the evening. So I think, I think evenings, little, uh, well, you know, it depends if you're a morning really, guy or an evening guy. For that right now. I, I say it's an interesting change of pace and I you appreciate know? it. And I, I like, I like the way you guys roll and uh, so flail away. Those mid-afternoon doldrums you want to get through and sometimes. Afternoon you know, delight. Yeah. Not really a yeah. pick me up though. It's kind of puts you down, but kind of a you lock you down like that. a dog. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. We've got to, yeah. I know we, we should, stop. well, I don't know. Maybe we should go there, but um, well, no. So, okay. So topic I wanted to start with just because it was funny. I was thinking about it this morning. I was reading a series of tweets, I believe from Asha Rangappa, but it's a topic that I'd already been thinking about and talking about with friends. Um, let me set it up and I'll throw it to both of you. Um, okay. Clearly, Right. Trump administration corrupt as hell. Trump corrupt as hell. Everybody around him having broken far too many norms and the norms aren't just ethical norms. Well, there's ethical norms, but there's also legal norms. OK, clearly um, just looking at the latest stuff with Bill Barr, et cetera. Ethical, the question legal, becomes political, political. <laughs> everything. Yes, but the question becomes, how do you fix that once he leaves? And I would say more generally, I, I feel as if there, you know, it, it is a just not not just I feel everyone's going to say, what do you mean you feel? There is a justice. Sorry. No, but I mean that there's a justice aspect to this as well of these guys should be held accountable, but we also need new laws so that it doesn't happen again. The problem I see is um, Nixon getting pardoned by Ford. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, bringing the country together. I've already seen people responding to uh, even Asha, I think, said, but people responding and saying, yeah, you know, we need to bring the country together. Here's the scenario. Biden wins. The virus is still with us. Um, the virus, let's, let's just say the virus keeps coming back wave after wave for the next couple of years. So the economy is still screwed because we open up, we keep closing down. So now you've got deadly virus, hundreds of thousands dead, more predicted, an economy in shambles. Biden takes over. How and should Biden or when I say Biden, it could be DOJ, it could be Congress if Democrats win the Senate. But how do you address the whole Trump era to fix things, but also justice, hold people accountable, maybe even throw them in jail 
when you've got a national crisis, and I would argue it could dual blow up in it could crises, blow, I would say. well dual right dual crises, the economy and the health. When it could blow up in your face because people say, Jesus Christ, we've got people dying for 5,000 a day at this point, And you want to fucking talk about, you know, how your vendetta. What do we do? You want to run with that, Greg, or you want me to answer that one? Sure. You, you well, know, both of you, really. I, uh, yeah. I've, I've actually I've been think, I've been thinking about this and I don't know how much Nixon should be a precedent or not. But the but for me, the bottom line is that there is. Well, there's actually a really important distinction is whether going after Donald Trump post uh, office himself for his crimes in office is, I think, one thing. And then going after all the wrongdoers, all the wrongdoing in his administration. And that's another thing. Evildoers. Evildoers. (laughs) I think I think I I don't see prosecuting the evildoers as even as even optional. You have to do that. It's called law and order. It, it's called you know why we're a country. Uh, so I don't think you. I, I, I think you. Ha- I, I think every minion who has lined their pocket, every uh, you know, every corrupt local official who has who has uh, you know acted politically on Trump's behalf when they should have acting when they should have been acting uh, in a not in a bipartisan or nonpartisan way. I think all of that should be pursued and prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And I look forward to Joe Biden's attorney general leading the charge on that, whoever that may be. And I and I would encourage Democratic state AGs to have a working group um, and be aggressively focused on those sorts of things um, on the state and local level in a coordinated way, too. And, you know, I, I think there's an aspect of truth and reconciliation from South Africa that you have to look at here. But I think there's got I, I think a lot of this is fairly banal political crime that we have the ability to prosecute and either convict or acquit. This is not a situation uh, of genocide where, you know, you, you potentially have, you know, hundreds of thousands of murderers to deal with. But. Uh, we, do, we do have hundreds of thousands of dead to deal approach. with. We do have hundreds, got hundreds of, dead, of thousands, though, which of, is ironic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to deal yeah. with. Yeah, so I, I think you have to prosecute those crimes. What you do with Donald himself? Yeah. Uh, to me, is an interesting question. Can, wait, can and, I, know, can I, I, I jump I in? Can, let, let me jump in and ask you. Do you think sure. Biden will pardon Trump? I, I I don't know. I think I hope not. And uh, but I would understand why he would. Uh, but I think. You know, it just hit, no. That really one just hit me this morning. Yeah, that would be yeah, terrible. Yeah, I, I, I actually, yeah, I, Cliff, I, I want to hear your thought uh, after this. Yeah, yeah. You know, here's what. Here's I'll let I'll let Cliff jump in here. Here's the only thing for all of us to keep in mind too is that regardless, uh, we're Joe got Joe Biden's going to win this election, uh, but he's not going to win the Supreme Court back immediately. And if you're going to pursue legal cases against Donald Trump that ultimately end up in the Supreme Court. Uh, th- that it, you need to expect that those that may not be that may not produce the outcomes uh, that you hope it do that you hope it does if you want to get justice from Donald Trump. Um, so some of the levers of justice, the ultimate lever of justice, may provide some protection for him, and that ought to factor into. I, I think that has to factor into how you pursue Trump himself. I don't think it matters again for the minion. Well. If- I mean, so look, I, there's a lot of concerns here, uh, you know, competing 
concerns, and that's part of the problem. I know why you bring up the question, John. I mean, we had to have go through this exercise after George W. Bush, and I was a big believer at the time, and I know some people didn't like what I had to say about that on, on our side, hmm. but I thought that the, the John Woos and some of them who ordered some of the torture, we should have absolutely uh, prosecuted. And I believe we should have gone after Dick Cheney and Carl Rove too. And my whole thing was going after the president before you is a, is a much more difficult and sort of, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, you have to walk a sort of more of a line. Mm-hmm. As bad as I, I thought George W. Bush is, I never thought he was the brains behind most of that stuff. I think he didn't really understand what the hell is going on half the time. Donald Trump, it's more like 90% of the time. So that's where I stood on that. The problem is because you don't want to be like other countries, right? We, we need to hand over power peacefully. That's what we do. And if you get to a point where handing over power means that you're just going to be investigated by the next one along definitively, then we're going to lose our democracy. Anyhow, those of us who actually care about democracy have to always think about that, not just policy. With you know what, Chris, said, wait, 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 real quick, but like, like Netanyahu, then you start to find ways not to turn over power because you don't want to be indicted. Well, that's true. So let me, let, and, and let yeah. me go to that next, uh, the sort of next phase of it, which is, Yet, I think in this case, it is so overwhelming. He so rejected every norm from the very beginning, that ones, ones we hadn't bothered to write into law. You have right. to release your tax returns if you run for president. You have to divest yourself from day-to-day activities of all of your businesses. Um, a number of these kinds. So to me, first of all, there's simply no getting to all this stuff without going after Donald Trump. There just isn't. Donald Trump. I, 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 I ultimately agree with that. I wonder if it begins with the people versus Jared Kushner, who most oh. likely has the greatest legal exposure in terms of documents. Well, yeah, he brought the kids and the son-in-law. I bank feel transfer. Like. Uh, Donald I, you know, Jr. I, 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 yeah. I think Donald they, Jr. I think, I think Don, but Don Jr. does not have a White House advisor title. Sure. Um, I just feel and like- I, or, or, or a security clearance that possibly right. has him linked to the murder of a journalist. So, so there right. you go. I, I, I just want to say we need to I, I think you start clean. there myself. Let me just have 30 more seconds and then I'll kick it back out, which is I think we need to steam clean the place. And to me, what that means is, is that every one of these cases, there needs to be the kinds of cases built that are that are thousands of them. And there will be that are so overwhelming mm-hmm. against every one of these guys in different departments that committed crimes going all the way back to to that yeah. jackass at EPA who was flying around in our dime. I can't even remember his name anymore from Oklahoma. Oh, God, you know, yeah. and, and we need to go all the way back. We need to expose the unbelievable, ridiculous daily malfeasance, the ongoing corruption, as, as Greg just brought up. Saudi Arabia, it's easy to forget that they may have had one of our own citizens or at least residents killed um, right. in Saudi Arabia. The ongoing, that, all that needs to be done. And I think it, the best way you do it is you do it through something like you brought up, somebody brought up South Africa, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Right. I believe it gets appointed by Congress so that it's a, and that we include Republicans in it because any Republicans of good conscience are going to do the right thing when it comes to Donald Trump, especially once he's out of power. And you have a bipartisan commission, although you make sure, obviously, there are no crazy Trumpites on there who are just going to defend them. No, no, no sort of CNN slot for the crazy Trumper like, like they create. And whatever the, 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 whatever they find, you follow that stuff, you prosecute, you put these motherfuckers away. The last thing I'll say is, uh, just like after Nixon, we need a massive changing right. of our laws so that we do pass laws that you have to release your tax returns. We do pass laws you have to divest from all your businesses. But I think we need structural change too. And I'll just throw it back to you guys. Like, for example, I brought up yeah. the attorney general can no longer be an appointed person by each administration. It needs to move to where, where we have the CIA and the FBI, 10-year terms. So at least there's some chance of being some more well, independent. But no Trump more fired Comey. You can, 
Trump fired Comey. I mean, you could right. fire well, the tenure and, anyway. And, and we need to figure that out. But the Justice yep. Department needs to be separated fully. You are the people's lawyer, not the president's lawyer. It needs to be yeah. clear in law, in culture, in everything. He gets his own counsel. That's his lawyer. The Justice Department is something entirely different. It needs to be separated yeah. from the president completely. Okay, I'm done. I guess what, and as I said, just to start with, what worries me is, I agree with you, Cliff, on everything, but what, what worries me is, A, whether Democrats can pull it off because Republicans could, could pull off a massive investigation. Democrats do it and it blows up in our face. And Republicans, well, Republicans defend- could have Benghazi, right? Right, so, right. yeah. Right. But, but Republicans effectively spin it as, look what happened. They took over the White House. They took over the Senate. And the first thing they did with hundreds of thousands of you dying, the economy in shambles, they decided to go for a vendetta against the guy they didn't like, Trump derangement, blah, blah, blah. And they're very good right. at spinning. The second thing, though, right. is a more practical one is – and I like I like Joe Biden. I I like his pragmatism in this regard, but I also think it's going gonna, it's gonna to bite us. I'm not convinced Joe Biden – will do any of that because I think Joe Biden will be the guy who says, we need to let bygones be bygones and bring the country back together. And I'm not sure he's totally wrong, but it still upsets me. Well, whether he's right or wrong on the merits, he may be right in terms of the national mood. And I think that's a really tough calculation to make. But that's a question. I I, kind of like, and and this is where, again, I think that there is, I think if it is seen as a vendetta that is against one man, Donald Trump, I think you are more vulnerable to that. But I like the, the steam. I like Cliff's steam cleaning concept, and I like the truth and reconciliation concept. Right. But it has to be given some specific framework that makes it defensible. And to me, that framework is that you build it around uh, the COVID response. And that the COVID response is going to lead you down the road of a lot toward a lot of corruption that has yeah, gone on and at large yeah. in this administration. But, yeah. but because if we just make it, you know, an omnibus uh, Russian COVID uh, emoluments, uh, Ukraine, you know, the, the air, right, air, right, air right. base, Ukraine, that I don't think people will, uh, I, I think people will start to have qualms about even those who are, you know, sort of nominally agree. Um, yeah. You know, I, I kind of I, I continue to feel like corruption uh, maybe is the number one issue above all others because it implicates for all the other issues from climate change to uh, economic justice to racism. All of those things and, and it, are, are sort of rooted in a framework of corruption which, which again, you know, to Cliff's point about the structural issue of the AG, I don't know if we can build a system that doesn't at some point depend on someone acting uh, ethically. And, um, you know, uh, uh, and I think that, that that's the fatal flaw, by the way, of the 25th Amendment is that it, it, it requires a level of, uh, you know, what I would consider to be an appointed cabinet courage. Right. Uh, yeah, but it's an appointed cabinet and, you know, you're you're putting you know yourself out of a job and potentially exposing yourself to a lot of of uh, of blowback, uh, like for the rest of your life. If, if, right. if you're right. if you're, say, uh, Rick Perry and you decide Donald Trump needs to be well, removed from office. I would say, so, Greg, I wouldn't be surprised really if weird. one or two of those cabinet members when when those discussions are going around and it was being reported that there had been discussions even like i wouldn't be surprised if a few of them what's his name oh you know what the hell is his name rex tillerson for example yeah. or a few of them that referred to this guy as a moron and were shocked about like about how terrible he was yeah. would have done it i think one or two of them may have 
But that's the problem is when it's an appointed cabinet, the vast majority won't. And well, and I think I think Donald Trump has very specifically and skillfully, like a mob boss, reeled others into his schemes. Right. <laughs> and and, it is, and if, so if you're in the cabinet at this point, I mean, we know Elaine Chow's uh, touched all sorts of third rails uh, in her position. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's enough guilty people involved who could invoke the 25th Amendment that that's never going to happen. Um, so, you know, which sort of leads us back to John's original question. What do we do about the, the, the culpability of these people? And I, I, I think you, you prosecute. I think there's a way you do this for everybody, not name Trump. And then there's a way you do this that grapples somehow with the president's personal, uh, you know, personal crimes, essentially okay. uh, committed in public office. You know, I think this is a good transition because we need to do a quick ad and then we can jump into the other topics we talked about. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. Okay. So, folks, we're going to talk to you again about the Clean Phone, phone Pro. We've mentioned this uh, this device before, but it's it's important because, look, everyone's rightfully paranoid nowadays about washing our hands, sneezing into our arm, and you'd better be wearing your damn mask, by the way, because I don't see nearly enough of that, and I wear mine every time I leave my apartment. Um, but there's another virus vector we don't think about, and that's our cell phone. We're, ta- we're touching it a million times a day, putting it down on counters at the store or at the doctor's office, and even taking it into the bathroom. And I just watched a video about taking it to the bathroom. You'd be surprised. Please don't say what you saw there. I, it, basically, bottom line is your hands aren't as clean as you think they are, and you're playing with your phone and it gets dirty. Um, time to take cleaning the phone seriously, and you can do it with The Clean Phone Pro. Uh, the Clean Phone Pro is a sanitizing box that uses medically proven UV light technology to kill 99.99% of all bacteria that comes in contact with your phone. It's better than wipes, it's totally safe for your phone, uh, and it gets every inch of your phone clean with nine high-powered UVC lights. Basically, it's a box that has UVC light inside of it. Um, now, one actually, this is kind of cool. There's a dedicated wireless charging pad on top of the chamber. So if you've got wireless devices or if your phone itself wirelessly charges, you know, the same way your toothbrush charges wirelessly, you could put your phone on top of it to charge while you even put other things in char- inside the Clean Phone Pro to, to clean. So it's not just for your phone, and it's a backup charger, which is kind of cool, too. Uh, go to the thecleanphone.com. That's thecleanphone.com today, and you can get one for just $89 in free shipping. Uh, you can use the code SEXYLIBERAL, one word, just to guarantee you get that price and the free shipping. Right now, I checked a minute ago. The price currently is on sale for 89 bucks, and you get the two-day shipping, but it's it might be time-limited. So just use Sexy Liberal to be safe that that's the price and shipping you get. Um, but, you know, if you're serious about keeping keeping things clean, keeping your phone clean, do go check it out. Uh, it's thecleanphone.com. That's thecleanphone.com. There you go, folks. Now, Cliff well done, and uh, thank you, Cliff and Greg. So, uh, of your other topics we talked about, do we, you know, the racist presser, the racist presser was kind of the hottest one that was happening. Should we, even though that was third on our list, should we jump into that first? Why not? So, okay, yesterday, Trump's holding his little coronavirus press conference with the, with the ever-dwindling task force because everybody's on medical leave self-quarantining because of the rise of the virus in the White House. And towards the very end of it, which wasn't supposed to be the very end, Trump calls on CBS correspondent, uh, I'm going to pronounce her name poorly, but Weijia Yang. Um, and, it's, uh, and she is a Chinese-American. She puts in her profile, she's Chinese, she's a Chinese-born 
uh, West Virginian, I believe it is. Um, and born in China, asks her question. And basically her question to Trump was, look, you keep saying we've got the best testing in the world. And by the way, that's a lie. But nonetheless, she says, you know, you keep saying we get the best testing in the world. Why do we care? Why do you care? Why are you comparing us to the rest of the world? Shouldn't the standard be how we're doing to save people here? But why do you keep, who cares if we're doing better than the rest of the world? She said a little more nicely. Well, Trump is, everything's a competition with Trump because the only way he rates himself are with, well, with ratings and numbers. And I mean, his whole life is about that. Exactly. So he flips out and almost immediately he says, well, you should ask China. China, China's the one. Why don't you? Why aren't you asking this question to China? And she kind of looks at him and goes, "Why are you asking me?" And she's clearly Asian American and apparently Chinese American. Says, "Why are you asking me that?" Well, he cuts her off. He then calls on Caitlin Collins from CNN, and we didn't realize this until the end. But Caitlin basically, because Weijia is still speaking. Caitlin said, no, no, go, you can finish, which was amazing. So Weijia is going, why did you say that to me particularly? I didn't say it to you particularly. She goes, yes, you did. Well, that's because you asked a nasty question. It wasn't nasty. So Caitlin then comes up to speak and he goes, no, not you. She, he, she goes, you just called on me. Yeah, I did. And you gave up your chance. She goes, no, I didn't. I just, I just let my colleague finish. No, I said somebody else. Mr. President, you just called on me. That's it. Okay, we're done. We're done. We're, we're done here. Thank you. And he, he storms off. And jump in, boys, and and, and scene. (laughs) And scene. Go ahead, Greg. Give us your thoughts. Did you did you see? Uh, I hope you saw my 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 thoughts are my thought is that Donald Trump is a racist. This isn't a lot more complicated than that. He's a racist. He sees a Asian person and he a assumes they're Chinese and b they're a journalist. So I mean, or at least their loyalty is to China, right? (laughs) Yes. And he that, can't be American that, yeah. because she's Chinese American. So why wouldn't you ask China that? He's implying exactly. immediately because she's Chinese it, it, that, that she's protecting exactly. her country, which is what he's getting at there. It was just it was another small, pathetic, racist moment right on, you know, right in the rose garden of our White House. And these days are going to end. Um, and, and look, I mean, what I will say, though, I, I do think it is inter- it is interesting to me how much umbrage journalists take on their own behalf. Um, Donald Trump attacks, uh, denigrates, dismisses people of color, people who uh, don't fit his definition of American every single day. I would just periodically like uh, to see, you know, keep seeing that same level of umbrage uh, that they take when one of their own is harmed. Um, And I'd sure like more often to see journalists do what the woman who came after her did, which was try to, you know, allow, grant her time. Uh, And just because Trump didn't play along doesn't mean it wasn't worth doing. And uh, the first time I see, you know, I'd sure like to see some of that behavior more from the men in the White House uh, press corps, like John Carl and other folks, to uh, when Donald Trump completely blows off uh, Philip Rucker, ask the same question, or grant Philip your time and drive him out of that news conference every day because yep. he wants nothing more than to stand in front of that podium and harangue you. If you did point. something that made him walk away, you did your job for once. Well, the Keep point is he's it. never going more. to, he'll, he'll never, um, you know, he'll never stand there and allow, I mean, particularly if it's women, but he'll never just stand there and allow people to ask him, you know, what he considers to be a nasty question without responding that way. 
And so the, the yeah. key part of this, which is what I think you're saying, Greg, and I agree with, and, and this is so important fundamentally to this mm-hmm. stuff, is if we're going to get the truth, these guys have to be in it together and they have to not just be thinking about themselves. I mean, I love when he attacks the press and suddenly the press gets all up in arms. Like, how could you do that? You're putting my colleague in danger. And, you know, I support them, but I'm like, can, are you guys like conservatives or can you have fucking empathy for the rest of us out there who aren't in the press? But he's doing the same thing to everybody else every day. And it just it really gets gets me angry when they do that. So seeing Caitlin Collins do that, like the point is he can't get yeah. away with it if every other one up there refuses to move to the next question every single time. That's it. If he shuts somebody down, they have the right to be there in our democracy asking him questions. He shuts somebody down, the next person should feel it's their responsibility to ask the same exact fucking question. That's it. Because I think there's a I think there's a misperception that that Trump has all the power up there. Trump more than anything wants to be able to do these news conferences. If the reporters don't play along, it's actually, he actually, I think you've actually got a fighting chance of modifying his behavior because because he's not going to, he's not going to change. But if you keep pounding him, maybe he'll stop doing these misleading news conferences. Um, but he needs to be out there psychiatrically, psychologically, and he believes politically. So the fact that he, you made him walk away from the podium before he wanted to, I love it. I couldn't agree more. I mean, and I, I think that's exactly, again, you know, if he wants to get, if he wants to, to he always wants to get the, the, the adulation. The, I'm up in front of a crowd without any of the downside of it. Too fucking bad. You know, you wanted to run for this, this job, you ran for it, you're in it, you're going to deal with it like anybody else does. You know, and that's, and, and the bullying stuff where they give in to him just, I mean, makes me, that makes me apoplectic. So um, I agree. And I mean, I, again, like, you know, Greg, again, probably nailed it right there. There's not a lot to say beyond he's sexist, he's racist. He can't stand journalists because they question him. And so he responded the way he always will, which in some ways for us is why, I mean, I I don't think, you know, I mean, it's hard to know exactly what's moved numbers the last month or two against him, you know, because it could be his performances telling people to drink bleach. It could be the fact that people, more and more people in the country are knowing people who've been sick or who've died from this thing. More and more people either themselves know people or themselves have lost jobs because of him. I mean, you know, there's any number of reasons, but I do have to believe that some of it is related to while people are suffering through these things and they're just craving, looking anywhere, you know, uh, for leadership from the top, anyone who can help them. The, what they get is this jackass standing up and, and acting the way he acts and screaming and yelling and refusing to admit that he did anything wrong and, you know, and, and offering zero guidance to anybody. So, you know, manner of speaking, I'm, I'm kind of happy, you know, originally I was pissed they're giving him all of this free airtime i'm now at a point where where it's not working to his favor anymore because he's you know for people like the three of us he was always an offensive joke but now to people who kind of enjoyed his racism a little bit found it kind of funny and you know oh he was hitting the pc police i love that and you know he's a guy that sticks up for us and he tells it like it is and all sort of stuff that's not nearly as funny when 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 somebody in your family's died or when you've lost your job it kind of loses his allure and you're looking for more so, or, or after three years, you're bored, and I and I think at this point, I mean, Donald Trump is boring, um, and I I do think there's a tune out factor. I do think the repetition, um, you know, there's kind of the message 101, keep repeating. I I do think that there gets to a point where he just says the same thing every day, and be, and people are starting to not particularly care. 
Yep. I think there's that too. So oh, wait, let me say one thing quickly along yep. those lines, John. I mean, yep. I know we're going to get more to. You know me. I'm the enforcer here with the time. Go on. Yes, you are. Well, I know we were going to get to. I wish I had that in front of me, but I know the number. Oh. I'm sure of it. So the, they're, they're well, in a poll recently done, um, and it was a major pollster looked at. Uh, the, the quarter of the of the the uh, our voting population or the quarter segment that says they are going to vote but but hates both candidates right yes and among that group Hillary lost by something like ten or fifteen right. I'm trying to remember what it was right. and and that may have been the difference Joe Biden is up a whopping forty percent among that group now so for people who hate both of them a forty percent advantage to, to to Joe Biden again this is a moment in time. It, I, although I, I don't, with the economy and coronavirus, I don't see how with this guy running things and being his own worst enemy, it gets better. It only gets worse between right. now and the election, as far as I can see. But so we'll see what happens and polls are snapshots in time and the rest of it. But what I'll say is, you know, that's a number that if it stays anything close to that, he can't win. Right. I mean, that's that's an incredible number. So that's worth mentioning that that may be due to the press conferences and all the rest, because there may be a lot of Republicans who didn't like Trump, who maybe even kind of hated him. But Hillary was the lesser, you know, Hillary is the worst of the two evils. She was the devil. Right. Now with Joe Biden, they don't like him. He's a Democrat, too liberal and all the rest. But you know what? When this guy is, is getting up and performing like a buffoon on stage and it's actually getting people, you know, to lose their jobs and die. Right. It's amazing how it's no longer tolerable. At that point, right. it's not even really funny to them anymore. So, right. all right. Well, what? Um, Trump's tax returns. Well, that is. I'm watching. I was watching a live sort of tweeting from a few folks in the court. Hmm. Um, interestingly, Gorsuch, and again, I never read any, anything because I don't believe these guys are much past being Republican uh, operatives in robes. But Gorsuch and Roberts both asked questions that were interesting and could be seen as, why do you have the right not to, to not respect a congressional subpoena? This is exactly the same thing, essentially, as what Jones versus Clinton was, Paula Jones. And they even got the, the whoever's the guy arguing this for Trump, the deputy solicitor general or whoever it is, to, to actually admit, yeah, it is actually, I'll concede it's pretty similar to that one. So um, I'm not saying that means anything. You know, and Clarence Thomas asked his usual question and did his usual sort of tell that he thinks the president should be pretty much beyond anything. But we all know he's a lunatic. But he did speak. <laughs> he didn't actually speak. Yeah, in a five-year period of time yeah. where he did not. Clarence Thomas has spoken more in the last two cases than I think he's spoken in the last two decades. You know what a friend uh, of mine, a friend of mine how, who's. It's funny yeah. how broadcasting the proceedings can impact things. Well, I was just saying, a friend right. of mine who works with the federal government said he goes, you know what he's doing? He goes, it's like what we do in the morning. We like look for an email from the boss to respond to. So they know we're actually working. <laughs> right. He has to say one thing. So he's there. And then he just shuts yeah. up. Oh, he goes yeah. to sleep and reads yeah. a book or whatever it is he does. Watches, watches porn, you know, long dong silver or whatever it is that he was into. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, this, to me, the thing with the Supreme Court is I wish I thought the nature of the arguments mattered. I wish I thought that those signs that you're talking about, Cliff, of, you know, hopeful signs of probing questioning from unexpected, you know, from an unexpected. I wouldn't say hopeful. Uh, I want to be clear, Greg. I just was offering that two of them had said stuff, but I'm never right, hopeful. Right. The court, right. So. I, you know, I, I just I, I think I think as, as progressives that if the remedy we seek um comes from the Supreme Court, we need to find another way to seek yeah. it. Yeah. 
And, um, and I, I, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll cross everything that there's a decision here to release the returns because it would be, it's the most obvious thing that it, they should be released, but I am not optimistic and we still don't know who paid off Brett Kavanaugh's debts. So, Thomas or Alito, the, and I don't even think Gorsuch, the thing about Roberts is the court is named after him. And at times he has seemed to care about the legacy uh, that will be yeah. bestowed upon him. So frankly, yeah. do, it, it, this to me comes down to a very simple equation. It's it, I don't believe for one second Roberts would do the right thing because it's the right thing. It comes down to are enough mainstream, quote unquote, or, or, or non-Trump Republicans talking to Roberts, his legacy, the rest, and asking him and saying, this guy's a disaster that's going to drag the rest of us down with it. We need to get rid of him as soon as possible. You know, is there enough thinking like that going along that Roberts would do it because it benefits the overall Republican project of which the elected Republicans are too fucking scared to touch because they know they'll lose and they're cowards. Yeah. That is, that's the only thing that, that's of concern here is Roberts' view of his own legacy and his view of the conservative project. My estimation. I mean, to, to, to me, I, I kind of wonder at this point, if we see all his tax returns, what difference will it make? And, uh, you know, I, I hope there's... Uh, because because they've now been freighted with so much meaning, uh, I, I sh, you know I, it, it will be very interesting to see what's what's actually in there. Um, but that would be a, a great problem to have and something for for uh, that will uh, you know animate a lot of I think really negative coverage of Trump. So obviously I want them released. Uh, I am I am especially with the economy as a backdrop right now. If the That's guy right. you know right. did what we what the New York Times has frankly put in writing uh that he was uh, involved in a multi-generational scheme to rip off the irs and not pay taxes which again fits the pattern of behavior and was reported by the new york times then quite simply you can be pretty sure that that this will have all of that in there and you're right in the context of people right now losing their jobs that this fucking asshole wouldn't even pay taxes that could you know that could have something to it but again like i'm not counting on this supreme court for anything yeah well, and let's remember, this is the same. The, D- Donald Trump stole 9/11 recovery funds. So um, th- this is, and, and I and I do think that if the taxes allow us to go back in time and find those places where uh, his behavior has been instructive to how he would later govern and uh, and establish an administration that essentially uh, declared open season on the recovery funds for all of his cronies. And for corporate America, I, I think we will find in his tax returns ample evidence of why he thought why he thought that was the right idea. Because, hey, that's how he's approached his own right. finances, include, including including looting recovery funds from New York City, which he did. Oh, I mean, I'm sure, and I'm sure there's much more in there about all sorts of schemes and crimes and money laundering. They could probably trace through some of the stuff. And I, I, I mean, uh, it, it is a question of of again. But as you said, Greg, we'll make a, it'll make a difference in coverage as long as we're still following that ridiculously stupid memo, literally a memo, an illegal decision in Nixon's fucking Justice Department of all places. Some, some what, deputy attorney general is like, yeah, I don't think you can prosecute a sitting president. As long as we're deferring to that utter bullshit um, that makes us a kingdom in that way and not a democracy, then none of this is going to affect Trump while he's president anyhow. I mean, I guess the only way yeah. it would is if there's enough in there to indict his daughter, his son, 
you know, his son-in-law and others that maybe matter to him and not because he cares about any other human, but because it would take down his company and it would be embarrassing to him and all the rest where he had to make some kind of a deal, you know, to leave the presidency now or something of that nature. Otherwise, he's still, while he's president, we're still following that stupid fucking memo that, which is another thing, by the way, that it would hopefully, as I hope and expect, Joe Biden becomes the next president and we hopefully win the U.S. Senate. That's another, that's another thing that we need to get to, which is a law overturning that stupid fucking memo right away. <clears throat> well, but, you know, and, and, and it is, it's, it's worth noting that in these times between Barr and the Supreme Court, we are a nation without courts or cops. And uh, recourse that we normally would pursue through the legal system now is, uh, has a dead end. And th that's why legislative and political remedies are going to be the things that matter a lot more. And unfortunately, that is going to persist, uh, at least as it relates to the courts, for years. It's yeah. the one thing we can't fix with any rapidity. Yeah, I think of history. Now, we, I mean, can, we can get rid of bar, but there's no, there's no cop on the beat, and there's no judge to levy the sentence. Right. And, I, I just uh, – Go ahead. I just want to say quickly, Greg, I think of the, the yeah. um, you know, history and the fact that the Federalists in this country, which was George Washington's party, uh, you know, Alexander Hamilton's party, John Adams' party, after John Adams' defeat uh, and Madison sort of left and, and joined the Democratic or Democrat Republicans, as Joe Walsh might say, right, John? Um, we corrected him for saying Democrat last week, uh, yes. Greg. He, and he was – he he, took, he was great about it. He like, should. And, He's like, Democratic Party, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. You know, he corrected himself later on, too, yeah. So they get used to it. But in any case, like, but the, but here's the thing. Because of John Marshall and, and the Federalists stuffed the courts while they controlled, you know, the presidency under both Washington and uh, for two terms and under Adams. And essentially, um, they ended up controlling the courts for 30 years after, 25 years after the Federalists were no longer a viable party. And we have to be realistic that sadly now, because some people thought there was no difference between the two and Jill Stein was kind of fun. Um, and and some Republicans thought, oh, I can't vote for Hillary. So I, I hate Trump and he's corrupt, but I'm going to vote for Gary Johnson. And I could bring up any number of other scenarios like this. We're going to be stuck with these courts for a long time and we need to get Trump out of there as soon as possible so we can start undoing that damage and filling other spots on the courts. But we need to be realistic. Like we're stuck with some terrible courts for a while. And on that happy note, we've got another ad we have to run. Yay! Yay! Another ad. Uh, quick message from Literati Books, and we'll be right back. We are so excited to welcome a new sponsor to The Stephanie Miller Show, Literati, America's number one subscription book club for kids. Who did I send them to? Your ex. My beautiful ex and her <laughs> newborn. And she wrote to me and said, hi, Scoot. Look what came today. Baby books from Literati. Cutest delivery ever with personal tags in each book showing they belong to Alex. Her, oh, little, her baby, Alexandra. That's so cool. So cute. Thank you again for sharing this incredible book club with us. Alex says hi. Look, this book belongs to Alexandra. Mm -hmm. There's their kitty guarding all the books. Um, it is a fantastic thing, especially for parents in quarantine. To get it, go to literati.com. L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I dot com slash Stephanie for 25% off your first two subscriptions. Literati.com slash Stephanie. Curated selection. Only keep your favorites. Send the rest back for free. Every parent I know loves Literati. Go to Literati.com slash Stephanie now for 25% off your first two subscriptions. Literati.com slash Stephanie. Terms and conditions apply.
And we're back, folks. Um, on that dour note, Cliff, what and Greg was Greg? Was there anything else? I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, well, I have an interesting note here. Oh, well, okay. That well, something interesting would be nice. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I have something. De- de- I have something depressing and interesting that relates to something Cliff previously said that was depressing. Oh my God! So it's like ah, we're doing, it's, it's a cornucopia well, of of well. He, bad here's news, the yeah. thing. As I, I, I think that the, the point that Cliff made about older voters is critically important, and I do think that there is a that uh, that there, there's a trend away from Trump amongst older voters that he has previously depended on. We are also seeing in polling, uh, and this is an interesting dynamic, when Cliff mentioned my friends, my relatives, nothing Trump says works unless, you know, for, for, for all those folks who know somebody, people of color in this country are twice as likely to know someone who's died of coronavirus than a white person. Twice mm-hmm. as likely. Right. When you can, uh, this, is, this, is, this is polling that's been done in the last couple of weeks. Twice as likely the, the 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 rate of white people who know someone who's who's died of Corona is about eight percent. It is 17 percent with African-Americans and Latinos. Right. Everything that the Republicans do in terms of a policy response to coronavirus is aimed at white people. And everything that they are doing is having an effect on white people. They're acting entirely politically. We have a great deal to fear that as Corona begins to to even more actively penetrate communities of color in states governed by Republicans, the level of cruelty and uh, of of neglect that we're going to see is sadly a feature, not a bug, to a lot of white voters. And I think right. that there there is a White House effort to race to begin to racialize this disease. That is part of why the president attacks the reporter from China. China. Oh, he, did, he, he kept saying China. like that, dude. China. 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 It's so weird. That's why he attacks reporters from China. China. Republicans will weaponize coronavirus against voters of color. They will weaponize coronavirus to stop, to suppress votes. We need to be prepared for that and talking about it. And yes. There is a, there's going to be a differential impact on communities of color, and it will never be more important for Democrats to stand up for the people we represent who are, the, who, who are those diverse communities. It's up to us to fight for them. Republicans won't. That is very true, Pretty although it was the perfect lead into something that I did want to talk on here and talk on the show about, which is that NBC News has reported – um, based upon a data set or multiple sets from the task force, Donald Trump's pandemic task force, and this won't shock you, Donald Trump had this suppressed, but NBC News got a hold of it, that the top 10 areas that are reporting surges right now of on average 74, 72.4% or greater over a seven-day period compared to the, the prior week, these are all now coming from parts of the middle of the country, i.e. closer to Trump voters. Um, they, they had the areas they talked about. Now, there's, there are African-American, obviously, and Latino and other populations in these, in these cities. But you've got on this list, Nashville, Tennessee. You've got Des Moines, Iowa. I don't know Amarillo, Texas as well, if that's a uh, largely, um, you know, largely Latino, Latina community or not. Or, but, but 
you're in Texas there. And atop the list, with a 650% increase, Central City, Kentucky, which I'm sure you're familiar with, Greg, from your mm-hmm. being a Kentuckian. Yeah. My point is, and Kentucky has one of the lowest African-American populations per capita in the country. Tennessee is not far off. This is, you know, and, and I don't think Iowa is known for its large African-American population either. This is starting to hit those other areas and grow rapidly because of all these little get-togethers and all the fa- all the people who think it's a hoax and who are ignoring wow. protocols and are doing things like that area outside of Denver, which I know that area, at Castle Rock, which is an exurban, more conservative area where that restaurant owner had that get-together, you know, and ignored the laws shutting down restaurants. I don't know if you guys saw that going around. Yeah. And the place was literally packed with people. Oh, Nobody yeah, was wearing horrible. a mask. Horrible. She said, yeah. you don't have to wear a mask. She literally went out of her way to say that on Facebook. And now she's had her license taken away. Yeah, it was awful. Um, I mean, well, that's what, go ahead. Go ahead. But here, here's the issue, though. Yes, the disease is spreading in the Midwest. Here are what Republicans and Trump are doing. They're scapegoating immigrant workers at food processing plants as being the vectors of right. diseases being spread to nice white people in Central City, Kentucky, in Des Moines, et cetera. And so when Trump talked about the uh, we had some people at the food process, you know, at the at the uh, food processing plant that had a problem. People who have a problem are people who've done something wrong in Trump's right. parlance. So, yes, those the the Midwest is being affected. Yes, the rates are really high, and yes, people in the suburbs of Des Moines are blaming the people out at the factory for going to work when they're sick. And um, so, I, I guess I'm a little more. Uh, I, I actually think that the spread into the Midwest raises the specter of the racialization that I was talking about, raises the specter of further crackdowns on immigration, raises the specter of further denigration of, of immigrants and poor people. Um, you Sadly, know, I if, think if, that's if all poor... inevitable because it's Trump, you know? Yeah. I mean... And, 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 it, and, and, it, and it, is, it is because of Trump, it is not just, and it's not just Trump's sort of foibles, uh, doing all those things are GOP electoral strategy. And, uh, you know, I, again, I, I think that, um, that if, if we Democrats think we're going to be the only ones running ads this fall on who should be accountable for coronavirus, we are wrong. They're going to blame us. They're going to blame immigrants. They're going to blame black people. It's because it's what they always do. I, feel, um, and I agree with so, all that. I just think that, that yeah. they, they, you know, I don't think this is as easy for them as, as other things are because and, and, it, and it isn't, it does isn't. Be yeah. saying that because again, they're losing people in, in key swing States. They're, they're finding themselves competitive right now to either behind or tied in Ohio and Texas and places like that. So this says to me, obviously, that obviously they're going to try everything to blame scapegoats. It's what they do. And they will convince their base. And they'll even convince some people that aren't in their base who maybe are gettable for us. There's just no doubt by being as cynical and lying as much. The question is, will they be able to convince enough people? And so far, it doesn't seem to me they've been able to. Obviously, that can change yeah. quickly. And I, and I didn't mean to suggest that, I, that I'm, I'm hand-wringing about you know, any broad sense about the election. I, I am a confident Democrat. I believe we're ahead, and I believe we're going to win. And I believe acting otherwise is how we lose. And I right. think that we, ought to, we, we, need to be, we need to be campaigning, politicking, and legislating like we're ahead because we are, like we're right because we are, like we represent the people because we do, and obsessing about uh, what, you know, 
well, Trump's base will be with him, not just uh, never been less interested and not interested now. We need to go out and run our campaign for the fall and not run a response campaign against Donald Trump. And our campaign right. needs to be on the front, the front foot, holding this administration accountable for what by then could be 150,000, 200,000 actual literal deaths of Americans. Uh, we can make this more complicated than it is. We just shouldn't. And um, uh, so we, that that's how we have to approach it. I want to ask you both a question. <clears throat> sure. Um, so as it's been reported, this will change the topic a little bit, that Dmitry Peskov, the spokesman for Russian President Vladimir Putin, uh, has been hospitalized with coronavirus being reported oh, by I thought you were going to say thrown out a window. Well, that, you get several of those. You just have to go ahead and ruin my joke now, John. Don't I'm, you? Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> the question was going to be, <laughs> oh, Sorry. did he have the bars put on the windows the minute he arrived, five minutes after he arrived, or 10 minutes after he arrived? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> um, I was doing my best. I probably shouldn't be making a joke except for anybody who accepted <clears> it. <throat> Vladimir Putin spokes. Crazy Russia. I have no sympathy for. So if I were him, yeah. you probably want to be in a windowless room um, because <laughs> I don't see good things happening for him uh, now that he's, you know, that that it's being reported, and he'll be proof that Vladimir Putin's strategy is not working of containing or really absolutely doing nothing to contain coronavirus. And that's when people tend to get disappeared in places like Russia, or yeah. you know, they they forget they have wings, and uh, five floors down, um, they don't recall right. it on the way down. I don't know. Yep. Sorry. I've been dealing with a little crisis here in my building. Somebody tried to break in last night. That was really sweet into our building. So, oh. yay. That's good. Yeah. Really so I got an email that. on that. So I was, that's why I was being less chatty. I was sort of dealing with the building, trying to figure out what the fuck to do. Oh, my God. After, John. Was there anything else? The only other thing I was going to talk about, I know you need to go. <laughs> um, and I do need to go quick, shortly, though. Yeah. I'd say quickly and ask Greg. But I, I, go ahead, Greg. I, 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 want, I want to talk about Peskov for just a second. Because yeah. I, I do think that that what is happening in terms of the virus's actual penetration into the White House is is really important. Um, yeah, we, I mean, I, I believe our national security uh, procedures and systems are jeopardized. I believe that uh, that it, it yeah, I, I, you know, look, they're not quarantining for no reason. And in, in, in quarantining Mike Pence is the last thing Donald Trump wants to do. Because it sends us any anything that sends any signal of of vulnerability, Donald Trump will never be for. But but my theory is there's there's really at the end of the day exactly one reason Donald Trump won't wear a mask. It'll smear his makeup. I mean that's not his natural flow. About as deep as he is. He doesn't want to wear a mask, it'll smear his make makeup and well he and, thinks and it makes him look weak too. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. It, it just yeah. is another reminder about how tough people are not scared about how they look. They do what they need to do because they're not scared of what everybody yeah. thinks of them. People that think they're tough yeah. or, or more, more to the point, pretend they're tough but aren't really, are always scared, which is why they need to do things like, I don't know, carry guns with them everywhere they go because somebody might hurt them. We don't know who. They, you know, they don't want to go to foreign countries where they speak foreign languages because that's different, different, yeah. scary. Well, you I, know? And, I, and they I'm don't want to wear masks. Yeah, I'm reminded of Barack Obama and Michelle Obama going into a trailer in Africa and receiving an AIDS test. That is leadership in a public health context. You yeah. do you you model the behavior you want the people to model. 
Trump and Pence have been modeling exactly the wrong behavior. And I don't know why anybody would want to be in a room with either of them and their staffs without a mask on, uh, including those CEOs. Pence met, God, met I with. refuse. Why it's, should it's they risk in, their lives? Idiots. So, I mean, I can't even imagine like anybody who are these CEOs, many of these guys, white guys who are of a certain age who are actually would might be vulnerable to this, no matter how damn good their health care is. I can't. I don't even know why any of them would put themselves at risk entering a room with this guy without a mask on. It's not worth it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm ba- I'm back from the break-in news. You know, the the interesting thing too is the media has been touching on this, like CNN touched on it, but let it go. They they aren't talking about the fact that Trump is violating the protocols. Trump is supposed to be quarantined for the next 14 days, as is Pence. Pence initially claimed he was going to, and then he didn't. These guys both are supposed to be quarantined for 14 days. They're not doing it. That's exactly right. Yep. And that should be a huge fucking story because literally it's not just sending a bad message to the country. It's literally, Mr. President, you are putting people's lives at risk. Why? Well, and also, as, I mean, as, as Greg just said, you're putting our national security at risk. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. but if I mean, president, I, I, I incapacitated. You know, I mean, obviously, and, and all the top White House staff smarter than them both put together. Yeah. But the point is the lack of continuity, yeah. the infighting, all of the sort of chaos that will be caused yeah. by the president and vice well, president. I, yeah, go ahead. That's right. And we already have a denuded National Security Council. We already have actings all over the place. God help us. We're in the middle of a crisis, but God help us if we have one that involves, you know, bullets and bombs, not germs and, and yep. viruses. Um, yep. I, I think and we're the president, in, vice president, and all senior trouble. staff are incapacitated. It, exactly. Yep. Or and simply unable to particularly, I mean, they're bad at all of this when they're completely healthy. And <laughs> yeah, when they're good, they're bad. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, the, the idea that they would try to fumble through something, uh, you know, that is of a, you know, a, in a diplomatic or military sense right now, I mean, Hopefully the rest of the world is a little busy dealing with this as well. Yeah. But um, I, I do think it's, it's, it's actually this, – this would be the kind of thing that, that, quote, national security Republicans used to care about. Okay. Um, I remember them being very upset about uh, a, a lack of, uh, a, of adequate saluting by Bill Clinton's young staffers in 1993. Yeah. I, I think well, that everything Barack we're Obama now, doing it with the coffee is quite a bit worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're less upset about you know people not wearing masks than they were about Barack Obama wearing a brown suit, and and it's completely freaking insane. Um, well, it's the reason they that um, many beyond just policy, as many of these people need to be swept out of office. All of the Lindsey Graham's and the Mitch McConnell's, because again, it's not just about policy. It's if we want to have a democracy. We, we need two parties. One party democracy does not work. Even if that one party is the Democrats, as we all know, does not work. It turns into corruption. It and what, into and what, what, so why we need, is We need people that have the respect uh, and the, the legitimacy that comes with not having defended every single thing Donald Trump did to be able to question <laughs> Democrats. And we don't, we don't have it with these guys. We need a whole new set of Republicans Regard, you know, regardless of everything else they believe in, just for that reason. Because why, if you're a Democrat, would you ever answer anything a Democratic president after what Lindsey Graham did to defend Trump and after Mitch McConnell did? If they're in the minority, I wouldn't listen to a single request of theirs. I tell them to go fuck themselves on every single thing. And, and I wouldn't blame Democratic presidents for doing that because they're, they're not legit. 
Like no. there have to be at least a couple legitimate Republicans to to do oversight. So yeah. in any case. Ooh la la. Well, all right, guys. Um, I'm gonna have to be signing off, and I apologize for being more quiet today. But this this lets you have more of Cliff and Greg, which is really what so you all do. So lovely. I feel like we owe everybody else an apology now. Probably. Hey. What? Because hey. there's so much yeah. Craig. You can't get too much yeah. Craig. Look, look. Uh, not enough John. Too much of these other. I know. Dorks. You never get Greg Pinellas in the way you want him. Yeah. Are we back? I'm this sorry. is back to the BDSM thing, isn't it? Yeah. I figured yeah. it'd end where we began. <laughs> everything comes back to beating to Craig. BDSM. Beat me, beat me, beat me. Everything yeah, comes back to BDSM, doesn't yes. it? Yeah, and R- Rand Paul is on my TV right now. Talk about BDSM. So there you go. Oh, Fauci's actually, yeah, they finally got Fauci testifying. Fa- now, yeah. But yeah. yeah and, you know, Ooh, la, go watch la. the hearings and uh, uh, yell at the TV. Thanks, Paul, for having me on. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Greg. Take care, and- bud. It's fun. Yeah. And yeah, Cliffy, I think uh, I think we're pretty done. But yeah, as I said, all sorts of God, we've just, you know, we've had like homeless guys sleeping in our lobby and stealing stuff from our lobby for weeks, if not the last year. And now we have a different guy. And I think I recognize him who tried to break into our condo. The main the main oh, door. Lobby the, like a, 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 we have a vestibule that's open, which is where the call box is. Gotcha. And he tried to break in with a screwdriver last night. And I'm I always was just, you know, I always had that thing is hmm. tough for me because again, I have sympathy for, for folks, for anybody, everybody. Yes. But you don't, you can't just be homeless and sleep in a vestibule in a building. You just can't. Well, it's, it's risky. Society. The problem is it's also risky nowadays, but in any case, this oh. was screwdriver trying to break into our front door <laughs> at 3 a.m. This, this one crossed the line. Well, that's different. And now yeah. we're talking about coronavirus, but other times we're talking about that people who are not regularly cleaning themselves and whatever are always a risk for disease and for things. I mean, I, you know, I obviously were caught between a rock and a hard place because nobody will spend the money necessary. I mean, I would make sure there were shelters available that were a hell of a lot nicer than anything I'm sure we have now the, to every homeless person. A lot of it's due to mental illness. I would make sure that we had that we put so much more money into that. I mean, so I'm not trying to sit here and claim it's all their fault. I'm all, but I'm saying also the people that live in your building have the right to safety and to help be healthy. And, you know, so this isn't as... as easy a thing as just anybody gets to do what they want right, right. you know all um, right let's hang up so i can because i'm just i'm obviously too distracted right now but uh, we were gonna we were gonna quit after an hour anyway because i had a call at noon although now i may yep. be blowing off my call so we can deal with the police yay well, that will be fun. because because it doesn't get any more fun than not showering and being stuck at home for five months than talking to the police <laughs> all right john keep yourself fun, out of fun, prison fun. No, right. I shouldn't say that. We've we've had, we've we, one more one other time we called and we had the nicest local cops who came by. And in DC, you just don't get nice cops. You get very official cops. You know, well, very you know. And these guys both were so nice and helpful that I was just kind of I wanted to go like, are you from New York? Because in New York City, I had the the cops were always. I know yeah. they're not. I know. They're not, not always nice to black saying, people. Actually, I get I that. But, the nicest cops in New York too, but also but, some. But, but I, I never have it. found nice cops in DC is my point. That's what I mean. You well, know, some clearly exist. I think yeah. there's always some good and some bad. And John, I'm just saying, don't get arrested because yeah. I don't know what the Wi-Fi signal is like in prison. Yeah. You may not be able yeah. to do uh, our podcast if you're in lockup. So just Oh, no, no. The, I love these cops. They're not, I'm not going to be in lockup. I'm calling them because we need to give them video of the guy trying to break in. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Anyway, enough of the scary stuff. Let's nice talking. Enough, the, enough of that scary stuff. Let's get back to 120,000 dead. Um, okay, folks, we will talk to you later this week. All right. All right. Thanks for listening as always, guys. Take care. Bye.